Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing? Looking good. Welcome to all of you, especially those visiting for the very first time. Or if you feel a little new, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Um, I want to especially welcome uh, two visitors. Just flew in from Hong Kong this morning, friends of ours. Uh, This is Irene and Liz. We can welcome them. Irene and Liz are here for two weeks. They're doing some training with Elijah House, and we're glad that they're here. And uh, my name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at Life in the Sun, and I am here to represent the men. (laughs) I debated whether or not I would challenge that. And then the Lord said, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, meaning no racial differences. There is neither slave nor free, neither, no economic differences, neither male nor female, but we are all one in Christ. <laughs> but if you want to raise Sophie, just let me know. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we're glad that you're here. We are continuing our series called Worldview. We are in week four. And Worldview is all about your view of the Word of God. And the Word of God is alive and powerful, life-giving. The Word of God wants to minister, wants to meet our needs. That's another word for minister, to meet our needs, wherever we're at in life. And as we were in worship, I was just aware that there is is a group of people in church today that um, have a special need. And I want to begin in prayer, but I I want us to pray with this special group in mind. Uh, It just happens to be a season in the life of our church, but recently there's been a lot of people whose parents have passed away. And by my count, there is at least 15 people in this room here today. Some of them are all part of the same family, but at least 15 people who are in this season of having lost a loved one And I believe God wants you to have uh, just a word of comfort and encouragement to be strengthened and to be lifted up during this time. And so if you're at a good place, if life's going well for you, I just want to join me. I invite you to join me in praying for those who are feeling the loss right now. If you're an intercessor, the gift of prayer, I invite you to join me in this time as well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're here. Lord, I thank you for all the life-giving words that have been already brought to light here this morning. And God, we acknowledge that you're the source. And Father, I thank you that you're for us. You're with us. God, I ask that you would go before the deep needs of the heart. And I ask that you would carry the heavy burdens And I ask that you would impart peace. Lord, I ask that your light and your love would be revealed and that you would draw near to those who are feeling a need. Lord, I ask that you would draw them near to you, reveal your presence, and bring comfort. Lord, I also ask that you would use your word today 
to speak to each one of us. Wherever we're at in life, God, I ask that you would meet us right here today and help us to take the next step in this journey of life, in this journey with you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we continue this series in Word View, as I mentioned earlier, it's all about your view of the Word of God. And if somebody was to ask you, what is your view of God's Word, how would you describe it? How would you describe your view of God's Word? Would you say that I'm confident that God's Word is true? Or would you say, well, I know what the right answer is supposed to be, (laughs) but if I was really honest, I have some big questions about the Bible. Do you feel skeptical about the Bible? It's like, you know, I'm not sure. Or maybe you're just kind of in a neutral place. You know, I don't really have an opinion one way or another. I'm kind of open, I'm learning, I'm discovering, and I'm I'm in the process of forming an opinion. How would you describe your view of the Word of God? My view, I had an encounter with God's Word three months after I invited Jesus to come into my life. I was 19 years old, and I was searching, and I began to dabble in some spirituality things. It was new age. I didn't really understand what I was getting into, but I had this experience during that phase in my life, and this is in my BC days. I had this experience where I became aware of the spirit realm, and I became aware of dark spirits. And Nothing necessarily happened. Um, It was quiet for the most part. It was pretty much uneventful, but very real in my awareness and somewhat of a mystery to me because I had never experienced anything like that before. I grew up in a Western education system, which was all about logic and what you could see and hear and touch and smell. And so that was quite a mystery to me, what was going on in that experience. And then fast forward a year later... I'm still searching, and I meet a guy named Don at the University of Guam, and he tells me about how Jesus, God sent Jesus to forgive us for our sins. But it isn't enough just to know that. We have to make a decision to invite him into our life in order to experience his presence and his love and his forgiveness. And so a couple days later, I was thinking about what he said, and I was in my room just looking up at the ceiling, and I said, God, if you're real, I want to know. And that was my way of opening myself up to him. It was the beginning of my relationship with God. Then fast forward another two or three months, I'm meeting with Don. He's been discipling me. He's been meeting with me faithfully. And he's challenging me to make a decision to let Jesus be Lord of my life, to completely surrender and to let him be the boss. And I'd been living in the kingdom of self for so long. That was a real struggle for me. And I I wasn't aware of it at the time, but Don seemed to be aware that I was going through a spiritual battle. And so to help meet me where I was at and to encourage me, he read a passage in the Bible that talked about spiritual battle. It comes from Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to read just a couple verses of it for us today. We'll go ahead and put it up on the screen. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 11. Paul said, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, 
and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Next verse. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. I had this spiritual encounter a year prior that was very real to me, very much a mystery, didn't understand it. I had no idea that the Bible would speak to my experience. And I tell you, when he read that verse to me, the hair on my skin stood up. And I just knew there was reality in the Bible. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I barely understood the difference between the Old and the New Testament. That was about it. But I had experienced the power and the reality of God's word in that moment. And I knew there was something real there. That was my encounter with God's word. I've heard many of your stories about your experience with God's word. Many of those stories go something like this. You were attending a church service or a Bible study or a small group meeting, maybe a life group. And whatever the topic was, the person who was facilitating or speaking, the topic that they were speaking about was so related to your situation at that moment in time, you wondered, man, did they tell anybody that I was coming to this meeting? And some of you actually went to the person who invited you and said, hey, did you tell them that I was going to be here? Because this is just uncanny. Now, a lot of us who are seasoned know that's just God. (laughs) That's the sovereignty of God and the power of God at work in somebody's life when he's beginning to get their attention. You've had encounters with God's word. I'm going to speak to you today as people who believe that the Bible is real, that the Bible is true, but you may not know how to support that idea. You have had your experience You believe the Bible, but if somebody asked you if you could explain why is the Bible true, that would be a difficult thing to do. And so today I'm going to share with you several reasons why you can trust the Bible. I'm going to share with you several reasons why the Bible is true. But before I go there, uh, you need to know this. The reasons that I share today will not convince a skeptic. If a person has already decided that the Bible is fake, no amount of good reasoning is going to convince them. They don't need a good argument. They don't need more knowledge. It's not going to change their heart. The only thing that will change a person's heart is a personal experience, a personal encounter with God himself. And so we need to be able to help people experience God. Jesus said that we were to go out and be witnesses. Now, oftentimes uh, we feel like, well, let me say this. What is a witness? A witness is simply somebody who shares what they have seen and heard. Oftentimes we try to convince people intellectually about the Bible, or if we can't do that, we don't say anything at all. But Jesus didn't say, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my armchair philosophers. No, he said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my what? My witnesses. Somebody who simply shares what they have seen and heard. And you don't need a seminary degree to do that. You don't. When you're a witness, you simply share what your experience has been. 
And as you do that, you will plant seeds. And when people are ready, you simply need to be available to help them in saying the salvation prayer. It's really that simple. That's how you help people experience God. Share your experience. Be willing to help them invite God to come into their life. It's so simple, even a child can do that. My daughter, Nicole, when she was in elementary school, she offered to lead her classmate on the playground when they were in elementary school in a salvation prayer. I think they were in this little clubhouse thingy on the playground. And she said, okay, repeat after me. And the little girl began to giggle. And she said, no, 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 you have to be serious. (laughs) True story. As we look to the Bible about living life, even in how we defend the Bible, inevitably, we need to come to a place where we realize that God is the highest authority. And we need to refer to him in talking about why the Bible is true. If you had to refer to another authority to support what God had said, then God would not be the ultimate authority. The Bible itself... claims divine authorship. In 2 Timothy 3.16, we'll take a look at that together. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do right. I want us to think about that word inspired for a moment. All scripture is inspired by God. Have you ever felt like God was trying to tell you something? You ever had that experience? He was trying to get your attention, trying to communicate something to you? You know, sometimes I'll just be kind of pressing into God, Lord, what are you saying to me? I don't have a prophetic gift. My wife does. Uh, She runs circles around me when God wants to download stuff. But imagine Michael Jordan. Imagine the Michael Jordans of prophetic ministry. And in the spiritual realm, there are people like that where God just downloads volumes of information and they they wrote down their thoughts as God was inspiring them with his thoughts. Think about how that happens. There is a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that describes it. We'll go ahead and read it. This is the Apostle Paul. He's talking about this experience about how inspiration takes place. 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. Verse 13, When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom, Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truth. What happened in the case of people like Paul is they felt the Lord was impressing them with a thought, and it wasn't just internal, but they wrote these down. And he says, we are combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words that we might know the things freely given to us by God. And so there is a transfer that takes place from the mind of God to the mind of the follower of Jesus 
which they recorded on paper. Ravi Zacharias, he made this statement. The Bible is the word of God, and God cannot err. So to deny inerrancy, rightly understood, is to attack the very character of God. Those who deny inerrancy soon enter the dangerous terrain of denying all scriptural authority for both doctrine and practice. Uh, For those of you who know Ravi Zacharias, he is a modern-day apologist. An apologist is somebody who um, presents arguments for the faith. But I think more importantly than anybody here that we could quote would be Jesus himself. I'd like us to consider what Jesus had to say on this topic in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 18. He said, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus' view was that everything that was written in the Old Testament up to that point would not pass away until it was all accomplished. Heaven and earth would pass away, but his word would be fulfilled. His word is eternal. So all of this to say that the Bible itself has an inherent authority that it's inspired by God. There's also a unity in the Bible that supports the idea that the Bible is inspired I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. If you were to ask anybody about what is God like, or if you were to ask them what is mankind like, or what is the relationship between the two, if you were to ask a bunch of people that question, you would guaranteed get different answers. But the Bible was written over a span of 1,600 years on three different continents in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, by people who came from all walks of life. Some of them were statesmen, Some of them were fishermen who came from different places in life. Sometimes it was the heights of celebration, and other times it was the depths of sorrow. And yet in all of this variety, the Bible is consistent about what God is like, the nature of God, what man is like, the nature of man, and what is the relationship between the two. In other words, how do we have a relationship with God? And there's no way that you could have that kind of consistency unless there was one author who was co-laboring with everybody else who was involved in writing these, ins- these words of inspiration. So there's the authority of God himself. Oftentimes when I lead people to the Lord and I ask them, so where is Jesus right now? Is he in your life or is he outside your life? And we have just reviewed a verse that Jesus says, if you hear my voice, I'm knocking at the door. If you hear my voice and you open it, I will come in. It's just a simple promise that he makes. And the only way that you can know that he keeps that promises is based on the trustworthiness of God himself, that God doesn't lie, that God is light. So there's the character of God. Then there's also the unity of the Bible And then another one is fulfilled prophecy. Now, there are literally hundreds of fulfilled prophecies that we could take hours going over, but I just want to highlight one today because it's been popular, it's been highlighted recently in the news. It has to do with 
the nation of Israel. There was a prophecy by Ezekiel in verse chapter 37. We'll read it together, verse 21. And give them this message from the sovereign Lord. I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations. I will bring them home to their own land from the places where they have been scattered. I will unify them into one nation on the mountains of Israel. One king will rule them all. No longer will they be divided into two nations or into two kingdoms. That prophecy was written just over 2,500 years ago. Does anybody know when it was fulfilled? In 1948. In 1948, Israel became a nation again. You know, for those who question whether or not the Bible is true, one way that you can know is to look at its claims and then see if they come true. And if you see a claim come true, then that's proof. There are other things which are yet to be fulfilled in the future, and we don't know yet. And I would encourage us, when you have questions about the Bible, just to keep in mind the fact that maybe there are some things that we need to learn, some things that we're not aware of. Uh, a com- oh, another example that I'll share with you is there's a prophecy that someday in the future, there will be two prophets in Jerusalem who will be killed, and they'll be lying in the streets for three days. And the Bible says that the whole world will see them. Back in the 1950s and 60s, scholars who were skeptics said, see, that's proof right there the Bible's not true because there's no way that everybody in the world would be able to see a single event. That was before they knew about the iPhone and the Internet and data plans. And now you have the ability to see a single event all over the world. So... There is the authority of God's character, there's the unity of the Bible, and then there's the fulfillment of prophetic words. Many years ago, I I heard a story about Billy Graham. In the early days of his experience with God, he was struggling with these same questions. He was struggling about, what, what about the things in the Bible that I don't have answers for? And one day, he was out in the woods... And he came to a tree stump, and there he resolved something, and he made a decision. He said, God, I don't know all the answers. I haven't figured it all out. But today I'm making a decision to trust you, to trust your character, and to trust your word. And Billy Graham says it was after that decision that his ministry literally exploded. As most of you know, uh, Billy Graham recently passed away at the age of 99. And I want to encourage us, what can happen when you put your trust in God and trust in his word? God can do exceedingly abundantly more than all you can ask or even imagine. And I'm not talking about people like Billy Graham. I'm talking about you. There are things that God has in store for you in the future that have yet to be seen if you will trust him. And I want to encourage you, like Billy Graham, to make a decision at some point in your relationship with God to say, Lord, I want to trust you completely. I want to take you at your word, and I want to run with you. And as a way of encouraging you to do that, I want to show you a quick five-minute video about Billy Graham, and then we'll have some closing remarks. Let's go ahead and show the video.
Billy Graham is just one modern-day example of what can happen when we put our trust in God and put our trust in His Word. There are countless others in the kingdom of God throughout the generations and living today who are living examples of what God can do when we put our trust in Him. And I want to encourage us today to make a choice like Billy did at one point to say, God, I don't have all the answers. I can't explain everything. But I'm resolving in my heart today that I'm going to put you first and I'm going to trust you. When I was in college, I went to a student conference with 17,000 students. One of the speakers was Billy Graham. And I was a young Christian. I wasn't walking with God very well. And he challenged 17,000 college students to make a lordship decision to say, God, I'm going to make you number one, and I'm going to put you first. And he said, if you're willing to make that commitment, I'd like you to go ahead and stand. And scores of people all around me stood up. And I remember sitting in my seat looking at them going, what? What are you guys doing? You're crazy. Do you realize you're giving away your life? That was my thinking at the moment. And then he said, there are some of you who are sitting. And I respect you for that because you're counting the cost. And then he began to pray for those who were standing. I went to my hotel room that night, and I tell you, I just wrestled in my heart, and I wrestled for three days. Just something in me would not rest until I had resolved and dealt with that challenge. And after three days, I said, yes, God, I'll let you be number one in my life. I can tell you that the things that God has done, the peace, the security, the identity, the confidence, the healing is beyond what I could have ever imagined. And I have become convinced that God will never ask you to give up anything that he will not replace with something better. He gave me a beautiful family and provided everything that I have, which was beyond my dreams. And I can say, God is good. And I want to encourage you, because of God's love, it's safe and it's okay to put him first and say, okay, God, I surrender to you, I yield to you, and I want you to be Lord of my life. And if that resonates in your heart, I want to invite you to pray with me today as we come to a close. And so if you would close your eyes and bow your heads, we'll take a moment to pray. I just want to invite you to take a moment of silence just to tune into God and connect with Him, my Father in heaven. I thank you for this gift of life. I thank you, Lord, that you've been getting my attention and revealing to me that there is a better way. And that way is with you. That way is in you. You are the way. And today, I'm making a decision to give my life to you. God, I'm asking that you would take me just as I am, right here, right now. And that you would change me and make me the kind of person you want me to be. 
give you my direction. I give you my time. I give you my energy. Most of all, I give you my love. And I ask that you would have your way in me. I thank you that you are good and that you are love. And today I say I trust you and I love you and I need you. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to address another group in this room here today. There may be some of you, as you're hearing me talk about a relationship with God, you realize that you've never actually started that yet. You've never made a formal conscious decision to say, yes, God, I want you to be involved in my life. And if you've not done that yet, I want to give you an opportunity to do that here today if that sounds like something that you would like to do. And it's quite simple. It's just a matter of making a decision because God knows everything. He knows your heart. He's just been waiting for this moment for you to say yes and to open up your heart to him. And if that's something that you would like to do, what I'm going to do is pray out loud and I invite you to pray along with me just to express that decision to God. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with and I have a signal for that, which is if you would look up when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that's something that you would like to do, I invite you to go ahead and look up at this time and then we'll pray together in a moment. Father in heaven, I'm here. I know you've been getting my attention lately. That's why I'm here. And today I'm making a formal decision, a choice to open up to you, to open my life, and I invite you to come into my life by your spirit. I thank you for Jesus and what he did for me on the cross, and I accept your forgiveness for everything I've done that has been hurtful, all of it. Lord, you know it. I ask you to forgive me and turn away from living my own way, God, and I ask that you would show me how to live. God, give me a new start. The way I've been going has been difficult. Lord, I ask that you would show me your way of doing life. I ask that you would change me inside. Renew my mind and renew my heart and make me the person you want me to be. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.